0: Yeah, if, if I was a, uh, an exec of any business unit or division inside a credit union, I would be thinking about this question of, can we ignore $1, $1 trillion plus of liquidity and capital, right? And specifically, can we ignore a trillion plus in liquidity and uphold our fiduciary responsibility to our members? You're listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast a podcast that delivers value and offers up insight that'll help your credit union grow. Servicestar has been consulting with credit unions for over 20 years,
1: growing them in the areas of cultural development, leadership development, and management training. To learn more about what Servicestar can do for you or your credit union, check them out at servicestarconsulting.com.
2: Welcome to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast. I am super excited to have a friend of the podcast on with his friend, we got Chase Larson on the on the pod today. And Chase, who who we bringing along? Who we who we inviting into this conversation about crypto and credit unions?
1: Yeah, we're bringing along a, a dear friend and, and partner of the credit union. John Ungerland. Uh, is the CIO with uh, Deland Cuso.
2: Deland Cuso out of Massachusetts. So we've got Minnesota. We've got Massachusetts representing The sides of of the the, the crypto Americas and you know what, guys, I don't know if you're in the right state because I was digging in my backyard yesterday and I I, I unearthed some crypto. So gold, not as cool. Oil, yeah, maybe yesterday's uh, currency, but the currency of today is crypto and it's here to stay. Let's talk a little bit about the recent news about last, was it last summer? I heard the government's getting into crypto and... And they see what's going on in mm-hmm. India and they see India saying, hey, if, if you don't want to pay with cash, that's cool. Just like scan this phone and, and you can pay for your bananas that way. And, and even like bringing in like government programs into this model where if, if you're only supposed to get bananas, you can't scan your phone for anything else. And how it's kind of at least from an uh, American standpoint, the optics are this has solved so many problems that we probably didn't see getting solved. You know, it's not a replacement of currency. It's also a replacement with currency with specific rules as to how to use that currency. So I'd love to talk to you and get your thoughts on on that and the recent news on Wall Street uh, as it relates to cryptocurrency.
1: Yeah, so I think, um, uh, right, uh, there's been uh, even prior to this summer, Scott, there's been news around uh, CBDC. We've seen the launch in July of uh, FedNow, uh which uh you're seeing some uh, credit unions and banks uh, make the move to as new payment rails i do think my personal opinion is it's the it's the onset or the initial framework for what could be a a central bank digital currency um i think my my fear there is it's inevitable uh that we're going to see the digitization of money or money go streaming um i think it's it's um, we haven't seen the evolution in the finance space yet, but it's inevitable. I think it's important uh, with how how we go about that as a society, uh, one, for our local financial institutions and our local communities, but two, uh, just for our uh, country and our society as a whole. Uh, I know John has some thoughts there as it relates to CBDC, but uh, that's my my quick thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, I think it's an important question. Um, I'll try not to nerd out on it too much because you know there's economics angles, sociology angles, political angles, industrial angles. We could talk about it. I think you hit on a really uh, significant uh, fact around why so many governments in the world are, uh, well, central banks of governments and governments are pursuing these projects. Um, I recommend everybody look at the website uh, cbdctracker.com or .org. It's like a real-time map of how many countries around the world, which is in excess of like 150 now, are pursuing these digital currency, these centralized central bank digital currency projects. And uh, you mentioned the uh, possibility of limiting what somebody could do with the money, uh, maybe not being compatible with the American system like your example of, Hey, we don't want you to buy this particular product with the Indian CBDC. Um, I think that's true. And that falls under the umbrella of what you would call programmable money. Right? So our current electronic dollar is not programmable. It, it, it lives in files and servers as ones and zeros. Uh, but when the, when our federal reserve central bank prints it electronically, Because they don't actually print paper and mail it out to banks every bank teller and vault teller knows that but when they print it electronically and put it into your electronic dollar banking systems they lose control over what happens with that um, cash that they're trying to inject into the economy so while a person could be a conspiracy theorist obviously or just you know pursue understanding conspiracies and try to look at what they could stop and how they might tie that into green policy or uh, stop the purchase of certain products or put caps on certain um, classes of products or encourage certain lifestyles, all that's true. But I think from a basic perspective, central planners like central banks and big banks, and this is where credit unions better wake up, central banks and their big bank partners who function as their retail arms, right? They have a vested interest in programmable currency, currency that once printed and pushed into the market can be programmed to be driven into the real economy. What does that mean? When they print $2 trillion or $6 trillion to bail us out of a pandemic, they do not want that just sitting in your savings account at your bank, right? They want it going to Walmart, to Amazon, to, uh, you know, DoorDash, to Instacart. You know, they they have a vision of what that cash is going to do as a stimulus package. And if they could program that vision into the currency itself, their stimulus would be more effective in their theory, their way of thinking, I'm not a Keynesian economist, but this is their idea, right? That if they could program the money, they could get better uh, yield out of their investment into the economy in the way of printing cash. I think that it's all uh, all but a foregone conclusion that that type of reality will come to the US. We, We will end up with a programmable digital dollar, a US central bank digital currency, It will probably run on some uh, uh, digital uh, distributed ledger technology. You know, I don't know the magic one that they'll pick. I don't know if they're going to pick XRP or Ethereum or Bitcoin or ADA. So I don't have any investment tips for people there. But they, they need to pick a technology like that to get the benefits of the programmable money that they can use to boost the returns on printing cash and injecting it into the banks. That's their objective. They have to achieve that. Right. So what I see coming is it is sort of a um, a, a system of complementary currencies, if you will. Your government issued CBDCs will be how you're required to take your entitlements, your social security payouts, your federal paychecks, your, your government distributions, tax refunds. And you know, if you're if your employer does business with one of the big retail banks, you'll probably get paid in that currency. But I think I think In a world of programmable money people will also want local capital that they can control privately right so what if i like eating beef what if i like flying on airplanes what if i want to invest freely in a local business what if i want to carry wealth forward and not suffer the impacts of uh, negative interest rates right Uh, that would erode the value of my wealth over time? What if I want to hold the fruits of my labor in a secure silo that's not impacted by central bank policy? Those are the issues that you know credit unions need to be preparing for is what am I going to do when my consumer uses a CBDC because they have to, but also wants to protect their wealth from pro- the programmable money phenomenon and store it in another type of digital asset? How will I put that to work in my institution and in my local economy? And that's what we're so stoked to see uh, St. Cloud doing uh, as, a, as a leader in that space in the industry. So I hope that wasn't too uh, nerdy for you there.
2: Uh, yeah, well, you know, Chase, Chase is representing St. Cloud in this regard and has has been for, I don't know, several years, I think it was two years ago that we had Gian talking about crypto. And what's changed since then uh, is America got distracted. Now, maybe not for your social media feeds, because this is what you do for a living. And social media is pretty good with algorithms. But for the average American, crypto was like a thing of the past, right? Like it's kind of like, that was a cool thing. And we were all getting into it. And then AI became the new thing. And the chat GPT became the new thing. And so like it's the best thing for an investor is for the thing to go away. That's actually still there. Right. And so you guys have been putting down the layers of groundwork while everybody else is distracted. So we need to read the audience in on some things that you just said. For instance, CBDC sounds like a cannabis distribution uh, platform. What, <laughs> what are those? What do those letters stand for?
0: Yes, central. A central bank digital currency. So uh, a digital currency that's issued by a central bank like the Federal Reserve, like the U- Like the European Central Bank, um, like the Bank of Canada, the Royal Bank of Canada. You know, one of those entities that today issues paper and electronic fiat currency will start issuing central bank digital currencies using the same types of architectures as, uh, you know, private digital crypto assets, Um, but they'll basically build their own new version of the dollar using some of these cryptocurrency type technologies, but control it centrally.
1: The the fear there, right, uh, not to be a pessimist uh, or a doomsdayer, but the fear there to some degree, as you think about uh, blockchain and uh, central bank digital currency is the ability that if Scott and Chase download a, a digital wallet on their phone and the, and the central bank can issue currency direct to the consumer, that's a big risk. Uh, there's a huge risk there for local financial institutions and local communities. Right, we, right now,
2: we're going we're gonna to need Wells Fargo to be the clearinghouse for most credit unions. Uh, some banks have their own clearinghouse, especially some of the commercial lending. Uh, more business B2B banks uh, can do their direct-to-Fed Kind of relationships um, you know one thing that is on the table that I think was just smoke I'd, I'd like for you guys to clear this up for me is is this this attack on interchange income right so so we thought maybe that's the threat to credit gains. but what you just said completely del- hits the delete button on interchange income like the rails are gone. we've deleted the rails. so tell me in a world where Visa is not giving us one percent on every debit card transaction, us meaning the credit unions. Uh, in a world where visa' is not giving us two percent on every um, credit card transaction. what are some of the pros of living in, in a world like that? And, and what are some of the, what would that do to a credit union? What would, what would that do to St. Cloud if, if we lost interchange income, if we lost that, that non-interest revenue?
1: Well, I, I think it goes without saying that non-interest income is a big portion of uh, of our income statement, right? And so, uh, I don't need to tell uh, yourself or the people on the call the importance of interchange. Uh, I I don't know though that that the um, that the potential um, risk of interchange goes away, right? So. We got here from an inter- interchange income perspective because retailers decided they wanted to accept plastic cards. It was faster, cheaper, more secure. And so, I think the risk for uh, credit unions is the same thing. If retailers decide they want to use the light Bitcoin Lightning Network or some form of digital asset as cheaper, faster, more secure uh, in terms of uh, accepting payment for the goods they're selling. If you're not tapped into the new network and readying your credit union for the future of, uh, of currency and future uh, digitization of cash, I think you'll actually find yourself uh, in a spot where uh, if you weren't uh, set up to be part of the interchange income to begin with or to accept settlement uh, from cards.
2: Kind of like Apple Pay when the digital wallets first came out. Like if you weren't in on that, then you're you're starting to lose interchange income, right? You're starting to lose some of the things that you could as a as a as a business owner. Obviously, Apple Pay does not help credit unions. Uh, we're not getting any of that interest, but um, the rails, uh, you know, that you're speaking of you had to you had to install certain chip enabled cards for chips to work at your your store you, right and then credit unions had to adopt the chip technology to be able to benefit from people buying stuff at those stores and i remember distinctly when my credit union didn't have chips and people wanted <laughs> them and they were starting to use their other cards that had chips right and so we were losing interchange income uh when that happened so let's continue on that path So so we're at the store and there's a there's a cash drawer there's a traditional visa or mastercard enter your card and you know is a debit or credit and then we've got this new i like the the terminology they're using what is it the zip thunder the the lightning uh cash what's, lightning what's that? network lightning right. network that sounds, that sounds uh great whoever marketed that one that's good so i'm gonna pick the lightning network just because of the name that's 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 fun um but right now America doesn't use vaults for much, right? Like how much do, money do you have? You don't have to say it on the podcast, but like you don't have the money. There's no gold bo- bars laying around your office, right? Like how much money do I have? Well, I don't have that money. It, it's digitalized. How different is it going to be when we're using something like a, a digital asset vault versus uh, a bank account that says that I have X amount of dollars, but there's literally no physical dollars that I can go grab uh out of that bank account actually so some credit you can sit with maybe eighty thousand dollars on hand right at a given right. day right so if you had a hundred thousand dollars you'd have they'd have to order it from the fed to be able to give you all of your money not to freak everybody out do not make runs on money people um but uh yeah. what's what's the what's the future look like is it much different than just logging into your account and seeing that there's a balance there and now it's just a crypto balance versus a, a digital asset that we have today
1: yeah, I I want to back up first and maybe just touch on Scott to your point the the lightning network and John uh, not to put you on a spot but if you want to just talk high level on on how it would work from a transacting on the lightning network today because it's not it's happening already, right? And I think that's worth noting.
0: Yeah, I think that this point that was made a minute ago that, you know, credit unions are hooked on interchange income not because of some cr- You know, grand strategy they executed, but rather as a a symptom of where the marketplace and the merchants went is very significant and really ought to be uh, driving them to a immediately learn as much as they can about digital assets as a class and the different nature of these networks compared to those legacy rails. Right. Because you I think, Scott, you use the analogy of, you know, it changed your thought process on interchange like they might just change the rails. Well, yeah, actually what they're going to do is move the train to a different set of rails and just leave you as a ghost town at the end of that old set of rails. Right. The wake up call for this is going to be when X or Amazon or Apple announces that they are now a financial institution. But the delineator is they're not dealing in the dollar, right? So what they're going to do is um, overnight, they'll be able to convert uh, the X app or uh, the Apple wallet or any of these other utilities that are already commonplace. They'll be able to immediately turn those technologies into a depository or a vault for that money, right? Right. At that point, you're not getting interchange for any of those dollars that are going to that app. So when Elon says, Hey, if you bank with us, you send your paycheck to us, we convert it into Dogecoin, you get your Dogecoin wallet, we fix the value of that as a stable coin, you use it in any of the ecosystems that accept that stable coin, you know, you, we can We can imagine that we control what happens with interchange all we want. But once those assets stop showing up at the checking account, you're irrelevant, you know. And and where credit unions have to wake up is they've got to realize in just Bitcoin, just that one digital asset token, there's right now while we're doing this podcast, $1.2 trillion in liquidity. $1.2 $1.2 trillion, that's half the size of the entire credit union industry. $1.2 trillion in liquidity has already exited checking accounts and savings accounts and lives outside the financial services system. You're, so any of that spend or any of that borrowing or any of that lending or any of the purchases that happen with that, you're never going to see any You're never going to see interchange or be able to use it as collateral, or use it as, the, as a balance sheet, as part of your assets on your balance sheet, unless you bring that back in house, right? And that's what Chase is talking about when he says, hey, we're building a digital vault. We're building a secure location for consumers to bring liquidity back into the local FI, instead of forcing them to push it outside of local FIs, just because they're looking for a stable storehouse for the fruits of their labor, right? Once we understand that, then we can get to why does lightning network matter? Well, lightning network is a protocol for moving money quickly and cheaply on the Bitcoin network. Right. So I want to specify that since we're reading people into the technology here. Lightning network applies only to Bitcoin based payments. That's important because if I've got one point two trillion dollars in liquidity, then that would indicate that I have a lot of users out there who are going to start wanting to buy things with that Bitcoin. Well, if I don't have that Bitcoin at the at my FI as part of that member's relationship, then no part of that Bitcoin transaction is ever coming my way. Won't matter. Right. So, yeah, your, your users are going to start using lightning payments at the grocery store because any of those pin pads you see at the grocery store that accept Apple Pay, will also allow RFID transactions for lightning payments so there's frictionless compatibility right there at the point of sale at the merchant the merchants like we said will drive this because the pay, a, a payment on a lightning network transaction is about 1000% cheaper oh, right and i and i didn't misplace the decimal point on that statement it's 1000% cheaper than a payment on a traditional rail Right. So now we have to ask, why wouldn't the merchants go this way? Right. And so knowing that they will eventually, because they'll be incented to pay their suppliers in a more stable value, lower cost, uh, better uh, efficiency, immediate settlement currency. When they're buying from Granger and CD, CDW or whoever in in bulk using that same settlement method, they'll adopt that settlement method for their own financial benefits. And then credit unions will have to figure out whether they've got any of that liquidity in shop or not. If they don't, no, no more transaction.
1: You know. And no I account. think it. I think it. Thank you, John. I think it's worth noting too that um, uh, there's payments happening today, Scott, where it's it's fiat currency on top of the Lightning Network that gets converted to Bitcoin, goes across the Lightning rails, back converted into fiat, and it's settling. So it's not just Chase buying something and paying you in Bitcoin, it's you can use the rails from a fiat to Bitcoin back to fiat conversion as well. Correct. Which is, uh, thank you, Chase.
0: Um, that is actually part of why, as a as a fintech company, we're so passionate about building solutions that allow the FI to bridge from their traditional finance offering out to this decentralized finance space. Because as a fintech that's been working in the credit union space for about uh, 15 years now, pr- exclusively in the credit union space, we, we don't see a way for credit unions to survive in the era of streaming money unless they're capturing these digital assets and bringing them in-house so that they can function as that payment intermediary, right? That's You're going to have to rebuild the town on the new set of rails, so to speak, or at least figure out how to create a crossover at the junction so your your current town on the rails doesn't get abandoned and become a ghost town, and that's precisely what the technology that we're developing that lets FIs plug into those DLTs and support those kinds of payments, uh, that that ensures that they don't get uh, cut off from the uh, the new set of rails, if you will.
2: I think uh, but, I mentioned, but, but the weapon. buzz of. The buzz around uh, Radiator Springs Credit Union just it just really pops, you know? Don't you? Don't you want to uh, be Radiator Springs too. Credit Union? Uh, that's right. that's
0: <laughs> fun characters in that town. I love but, that. Um, you know the uh, like I, I mentioned CBDC Tracker earlier, where any credit union resource can go look at how many countries are already you know working on the various stages of their CBDCs, and and a shocking number of them are about to deploy them. Um, the same is true for uh, merchants already accepting lightning payments. I think there's already like 40,000 merchants uh, in US and globally that are accepting lightning payments. Um, so this isn't like a hypothetical thing that's coming. Um, you know there's millions upon millions upon millions of dollars of payment value already taking place on these networks every day with tens of thousands of merchants uh, participating in them. And we have to be aware as an industry that you know that the switch flip moment is coming. Where an X or an Amazon or an Apple or somebody, a Netflix, a Hulu, is going to say, hey, now you can pay uh, with your digital asset wallet. And then that's a whole new set of rails. And we don't want to see that happen to the FI space, local FIs.
2: John is the CIO at Delan Cuso LLC. He is all about local financial institutions thriving, right? Flourishing. And 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 this is a threat to that to that 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 whole infrastructure. The the entire purpose that rallies around credit unions uh, can be threatened, or uh, we can see this as an opportunity. Now, again, I'm going to unpack some of this for the for the for the listeners. They hear fiat and they're they're just imagining you taking a bunch of cash, stuffing it into an Italian small car, <laughs> and you know we're we're driving it over to crypto land, and you know. Uh, so, so do me a favor real quick here. Credit Ian's getting into crypto. Some questions that I think a listener might have is, cause they're all credit Ian people. If I had a digital asset fault and I had $1.7 trillion of my members, not dollars, <laughs> whatever the, value. the, the B side is value. Uh, does that impact my asset ratio? Does that, is that, is that does that represent as loan to share ratio? Like how transitionable is the American dollar with the value of a Bitcoin? Is it, is it just like if I were to buy something in Canada and then she just going to do a quick uh, conversion and I can still get my ice auger from Canada. Is it, is it as simple as that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for us specifically on the first part of your question um, with our digital asset vault, we're not uh, just from a, uh, where we're at from an industry or regulatory standpoint, we're not recognizing uh, member assets held in vault uh, on our balance sheet. Um, but, you know, we'll get there. Uh, that's part of the roadmap. And I think as uh, as the regulators catch up, um, that's ultimately where we will be heading for sure.
2: If the taxi medallion thing didn't happen, do you think we'd be a couple
1: steps further? <laughs> Maybe.
2: Because, I mean, yeah, that's what we're talking yeah, about that's a, great- a similar, similar topic, right? Something that has value that we made mm-hmm. loans off of, right? And so so there might be a future where we actually are making loans off of your digital uh, digital value. So hard for me to not say dollar. That's <laughs> right. I
0: mean, it's, a, it's like a funny joke, Scott, but it's totally appropriate as a historical analog. Because when I go out and I offer seminars to boards and executive teams to help them get educated on this stuff, I constantly hear um, rebuttals, you know, like, well, this is just the next Dutch tulip bulb crisis, or this is, you know, th- this is, j- you know, th- that would be a good one of, you know, a-, a historical example of ascribing worth to something that is, you know, more um, abstract than real. Um, I think that we we have to look at the events that are transpiring around us, right? So I'm going to tackle one here real quick as a response to that. Yes, I think that the industry is overly conservative about this because of those kinds of historical examples, but the overly conservative nature is not warranted for two reasons. One, the um, vice chairman of the NCUA has been very open and encouraging that we must be exploring these technologies and understanding them as part of the future of money and banking. So we're being instructed to go learn about these things. We're not being instructed to adopt them hastily, right? Or to, um, you know, get reckless with them, which is where our our path comes in here in a second. The other reason that it's, you know, it's not warranted is if if we learn a little bit about these things and why folks like Kyle are saying go get educated, it's because they're they're transaction networks that allow for the storage and transport or, or i'm sorry they're 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 uh, distributed networks that allow us to store and transact value right so we're all aware that visa became more and more valuable over time because more and more people used it we're all aware that facebook became more and more valuable over time because more and more people used it same with amazon same with netflix same with hulu so we've all seen countless examples of network dynamics driving value and market capital capitalization and yet we question a global network that has tens of millions of users and is holding 1.2 trillion dollars in value already um so you know relative to this question of reflecting them on the balance sheet let's get let's get educated Let's go learn about how our big bank competitors are pushing the FDIC and the SEC right now, this week in DC, yeah. right before GAC. Our our banking competitors are pushing for them to be able for banks to be able to hold these assets on their balance sheet and treat them as capital. That's happening right now. Now, are we are is our credit union industry going to be pushing for the same thing next week? I don't know. Chase and I will be. We'll be at a roundtable, we'll we'll be advocating for that, but I I fear that not enough credit union executives are aware of how aggressive bankers are being about this. Let's also be aware that FASB, the accounting standards uh, board or, or association, they've already made adjustments for 2024 and 2025 to allow businesses to hold digital assets on their books and give them uh, fair market value accounting treatment, right? So that they can be counted as part of the assets of the institution without a huge you know, discount or hit to the institution holding those assets. Why? Because corporations and banks are facing the, the same challenges as American communities. They've got to find places to produce yield and protect the fruits of their labor. And when you compare the, the the electronic dollar, the dollars that we're all very comfortable with in credit union land, when you put that on a chart against Bitcoin since 2016, the dollar is down 99.95% in purchasing power compared to one Bitcoin in the same time period. That's astounding. So institutions either have to take the ride. With the rat you know, the, the remainder of the ride on the electronic dollar, or they've got to find a new place to park capital and treat capital on their balance sheets, and the banks and corporate institutions are pushing legislators toward being able to do that. And if we trick ourselves about that and think that, oh, you know, we're dollar, we're electronic dollar only companies, uh, then we're playing right into the hands of uh, competitors that would love to grab our assets from us and centralize them into their wall street economies. You
2: know, you talked about wall street a little bit there and, and let me, let me just unpack what you just said. It it feels weird going to a store and offering to, to pay for your gum with Facebook stock. And back in the good old days, it's kind of funny how things come full circle circle. If I had actual Stock shares, like they would give you share certificates for the stocks that you owned. I could give that to Frank because Frank owes me money for gas. And right, so I give it. Hey, here's my sh- my share of Ford. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's about thirty nine dollars, right? So I mean, it is going back to this uh, this notion of of using something that's traded as a currency, and even the dollar is traded, right? <laughs> we can invest in the dollar. It's just, it just the the biggest Uh, windfall for India is they didn't have all of these other structures set up. They didn't have all these other uh, enterprises set up. And so it was easy to go in with something like crypto and be like, well, this solves a lot of issues. Whereas we have all of these structures to break down to be able to set a new road. And anyone who's lived in the Midwest knows that's not easy to do. Construction on highways takes years and years and years uh, to build new roads on top of old ones. And so uh, what you're saying is the pace of this change is is a little bit quicker than that. And so talking about Wall Street, you know, don't make your decisions based on what's happening in the stock market. But what is what is happening in the stock market? Like what what is what's what's BlackRock doing? Like what are some of these companies that historically have made bets on good things doing And and where do you see that information kind of leading us to?
1: yeah, I know I know john John follows this uh, pretty close, so I'll let him uh, nerd out a little bit. But I think the the one thing that's fascinating uh, that even if even if you're not an individual or an institution, uh, although you should be, but if you're not somebody who's uh, heavily watching or paying attention uh, or deploying uh, strategies around digital assets in your FI, uh, I think any of us who watch the news uh, can can uh, call out the narrative shift. Uh, if you think back six to eight months ago to the first and then compare it to the first part of this year, you would have thought uh, the SEC specifically was going to blow digital assets off the face of the earth last year. Um, you have uh, competitors like Jamie Diamond at JP. Morgan in the news media talking about Uh, crypto is worthless and if my staff purchase it they're going to be fired meanwhile they're filing patents um and then uh the advent of uh uh, the eft launch eft launches uh second week of january of this year i think total of seven of them right john including Uh, BlackRock, actually yeah
0: 11 11. okay yeah so i want to go i want to start this answer on this observation of yours, Scott, that we have a lot of legacy institutions and infrastructure in the U.S. that might be impeding the progress here, and that's a, that's absolutely true. Um, however, I don't I don't want to, and I know Chase doesn't want to see that infrastructure um, torn down and replaced. Um, Actually, I I want to see local decentralized financial institutions because that's what a credit union is. It's a decentralized financial institution serving a local node, if you will, their community and their region. I want to see those local institutions thrive by embracing money storage and, and payment technologies that overlap with their business model. And that's what a, a DLT, a distributed ledger like Bitcoin is, right? It's a money processing technology that actually overlays with the credit union business model much cleaner and more efficiently than it overlays with Bank of America's model or, or you know, Morgan Stanley, which is why th- those company or, you know, JP Morgan hate them because it's, a, it's an anathema to their business model of centralized control, right? Right. Um, so what is happening on wall street you asked a good question there and what can we learn from that as credit unions well like chase just mentioned you know for the since 2021 big bankers and wall street and their bought legislators have been on a war path against digital assets right and why well you know create a good buying price right buy when there's blood in the streets all the old wall street adages so they created a lot of blood in the streets, if you will, in the last couple of years. And they managed to buy up a, and strike deals that were uh, very beneficial to their launch of the ETFs, ETF electronically traded fund, right, in 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 Wall Street language in January. So in January, they on January 16th, I believe it was, or 12th, uh, forgive me if I'm getting the date wrong, but the second week of January, they launched uh numerous e- massive hedge funds and investment firms launched their own ETFs. And uh, I'll give you the up-to-the-minute statistics. So they it has been the most successful uh, ETF launch in history, the Bitcoin ETFs, right? Bitcoin is the only one that has an ETF right now, so I want to be very clear about that. That means Wall Street has embraced Bitcoin, okay? But how much have they embraced it? Well, as of uh, yesterday, they had already accumulated two hundred and fifty thousand Bitcoin in one month's time. Right? Yesterday, there was one. Yesterday, I'm referring to just yesterday, not as of yesterday, cumulatively. Just yesterday, in one day's business, there was one point five billion with a B dollars in purchase orders made on the Bitcoin ETF, ETFs as a whole on Wall Street. The Wall Street firms right now on a daily basis are buying 10 times on a daily basis. They're buying 10 times the total Bitcoin that will be mined in a given month, any month. So they're, they're consuming 10x the available assets on the marketplace per day right now, right? So what do we think as credit union leaders that's going to do to the price of that asset by the time we get around to seeing what they're doing and understanding what they're buying, right? Because we have to remember that unlike the electronic dollar where they can print more of them trillions at a time, we're dealing with an absolutely scarce asset here in this first one that's been embraced, Bitcoin. We're dealing with an absolutely scarce asset with a total top end of 21 million coins, 19 million of which have already been mined, right? And it'll take some 50 odd years to mine the next, uh, the remaining million. So what that's going to do is create supply shock. They're buying 10x what's currently being mined and the difficulty of mining them in the future is going to go up exponentially. And they staged the game for the last two years to get out ahead of this with the SEC and are gobbling up the market share. You know, I think in the hopes that anybody who wants a piece of that asset is going to have to come to them uh, and purchase it and p- purchase rehypothecated paper versions of it through their 401K contrib- contributions, always and forever. And I I hate that, right? Because I want to see the I want to see this very valuable commodity being brought back into local communities and used for local commerce, local business, local loans, local payments, right? Local investment. So there is a little bit of good news here for credit union leaders listening, Uh, even though they've gobbled up, you know, and become Wall Street has become the second largest Bitcoin holder in the world in one month's time. um, 80 percent of Bitcoin assets are still owned by individuals walking around out there uh, with hardware wallets and and exchange wallets. Right. So you've got 80 percent of the market that you can still go grasp and serve as a local FI. And here's the really good news they don't wanna to go to Wall Street, right? And they don't wanna sell their coins to Wall Street. They wanna put that capital to work in a way that aligns with their philosophy and the people helping people, financial cooperative, local control of capital, democratic control of capital, all these things we represent, that aligns with their philosophy, right? That's what they wanna see happen with that capital. So long story short, Wall Street is is here and they're here to play and they're gobbling up this asset And they're probably going to create supply shock and and price, you know, spikes. Uh, But you've got 80 percent of the market out there that's looking for an alternative to Wall Street. And that's what we can't afford to miss on. That's why we're building these bridges to bring this stuff back
2: into local FIs. That's right. It's like in the 90s when people were really into computers, they were the weirdos. And now we work (laughs) for those people, you know, it's like, you know. Probably should have I love, gotten- I love, your, I love your
0: analogy, Scott, they're,
2: they're awesome. <laughs> Probably should have paid attention to the computer a little bit more than I did, or, or you know, gobbling up website names back when they first became a thing, right? So now you gotta come to me and ask me for the domain, scottalbrecht.com, because, you know, <laughs> I, I paid a cent for it. Now you gotta pay 10 grand to get that domain name. So yeah, it's the same trick over and over and over again, right? Buy low, sell high, and who gets hurt? The person who wants the scottalbrecht.com domain. <laughs> <you get> to, <laughs> it's the ones that are in Radiator Springs that get left behind. And we're here at the Credit and Leadership Podcast. We're not about leaving people behind. So, what are some tangible next steps that you would? I mean, this is over most people's heads. I would believe you know I, the fact that you have to give me every letter and and define it for me it's i feel like it's webster's dictionary version of crypto which is cool because i appreciate it because there's varying levels of experience with this this new uh, currency um but like what are some practical things i can put in the show notes like links to websites you say learn more get educated on this give me a very quick next step for our listeners a call to action if you will
1: so one one thing we did um this would have been in uh, late 29 i'm sorry late 2020 early 2021 is we actually reached out to john and his team uh to do a board uh, board education series and an, an executive education series right uh i think we did an eight hour and a four hour uh four hour with the board eight hour with our executives i think to your exact question scott is uh, i think doing nothing and sticking your head in the sand is is not going to work right in my personal and professional opinion it's not going away it's not a fad i think the wall street thing for me is extremely or or should be for most extremely important as a sign of it's not going away right if you had any doubt it was it's not um if we haven't learned by now to john's earlier point you can't listen to the the media headlines on wall street right Uh, i don't think the intent is there they don't care about your local trusted community uh your local fi Um, but i think you got to start somewhere and the best place to start if you don't know where to start is start educating yourself uh whether it's through partnering with uh, the deland team or or doing self-education i think that's the first place i'd start john
0: yeah, if if I was a uh, an exec of any business unit or division inside a credit union, I would be thinking about this question of, can we ignore one one trillion dollars plus of liquidity and capital, right? And specifically, can we ignore a trillion plus in liquidity and uphold our fiduciary responsibility to our members, right? Um, in other words, what is the cost going to be of not bringing that capital back into our community or, or a small chunk of that capital back into our community and, and putting it to work. And um, that's part of the way we educate is, uh, you know, we I don't like to come in and tell anybody, you know, hey, this is why you should invest in Bitcoin to get rich, because that's not how I see the technology or what I see its utility or purpose in the, in the financial services landscape being that or any other digital asset technology, because there's more than one great you know, digital asset technology. Bitcoin's just the uh, the Xerox or the Coke of the world right now, if you want to think of it that way. Bitcoiners would uh, Bitcoiners would really rail me for saying that, um, but you know, it's a good way to Kleenex, think about right? Get, pass it. Kleenex, right? Get past me a Kleenex.
2: Exactly. Everyone refers yeah. to the Bitcoin as the yeah. as the currency.
0: So yep. I think I think as a as an FI exec, you've got to look at you know, do we do we scoff at Microsoft as a company? Do we scoff at Facebook as a company? Do we scoff at you know, um, Apple as a company? Do we scoff at Tesla as a company? No, we don't. Then why would we disregard a, a network of users that has a larger market cap than all those brands? That's a huge question. Because when Apple rolled the iPhone out, we didn't all say, oh, that's a silly thing. We're not going to make ready for that for our online banking. No, we looked at how many users there were on it and how successful they were being as a company. And we, re- and we adapted. So we've got the same thing going on here. We've got a, a one trillion dollar plus network of users that we can't afford to scoff at. And we got to get educated and ask ourselves as FIs why we wouldn't want to bring that capital back in. One way to get educated is to figure out how much of your liquidity is already flowed out and is flowing out to these assets on a monthly basis. If you don't know how to do that, Chase can help you. I can help you. But you need to start measuring what's happening with liquidity flowing out and going to these assets because I promise no institution is untouched by this. It's statistically impossible given like the Coinbase white papers and things recently that talk about the... Uh, demographics using this and the percentage of the population using this it's just not I can't imagine there's an fi that's untouched by this right and then um, you got to follow a responsible regulatorily sound like ready ready path for getting here you don't you know if I could make a plea with every financial institution exec out there don't Sign a contract with a vendor that tells you they're going to solve this digital asset problem for you, because what you'll likely end up doing is outsourcing the the the, the money relationship of your member. You've really got to look at this as um, this this is a, a a strange new world of technology where the technology is the gold bar, right? Scott, you brought up earlier like I don't pay people in gold bars, and the question is why don't you? Well, the answer is because they're heavy, and if you had a bunch of them in your house, people would still break in and steal them right so the the, so if you could pay people with digital gold pieces small pieces of digital gold bars would you if it meant you could have a stable value stored account like you could store your wealth for all time securely but also use your wealth to transact efficiently would you do it and obviously there's about you know 10 million people and a trillion dollars that have said yes i want to do that And that's what we have to start looking at is this is a really significant set of market cap. You take all the digital assets combined, it's bigger than the credit union industry. And we've got to start looking at why are people wanting to store their money in something other than a dollar? And given that they are, how are we going to help? What service are we going to provide them that's going to help them do that securely and put those assets back to work in our local community? Right. I think that's part of the credit union mission and the fiduciary responsibility of every exec to their members.
2: Brinks is going to be so sad about this episode. They're be like, they got all these service calls. Where's all the deposits going? You know, can you check for cracks in our vault? And it was in a Fiat on a train track going to Radiator <laughs> Springs the entire time. you was looking for the wrong <laughs> vault, brother.
1: Very nice. Love it.
2: Are you looking to be a credit union homie? Are you looking for that drip fab? Our credit union PhD course is for nerds and nuances alike. Let's not forget why we do what we do. Limited to the first 50 participants, the credit union movement is growing and our credit union PhD philosophy, history and development class is for new employees and old that has a fun and interactive 90-minute workshop feel where we talk about the motivation and passion of our early leaders and how that transforms credit unions today. Our cooperative financial institutions were strong and fast-growing back in the 1920s and 30s. Let's renew that spirit of non-for-profit cooperative and get your employees into our Credit Ian Movement PhD today. Who should attend? anybody. We look forward to seeing you there.